today's episode, we share a few nonprofit year end and beginning of a new year thoughts and reflections. Happy New Year! Hello, and welcome to the Nonprofit Radio Show, a podcast with tips and tools for small nonprofits. If you feel in the dark about how to run a nonprofit, sunshine is on its way. I'm Nancy Bacon, and I'm joined by Sarah Brooks, and we're so excited to share some end of year, beginning of a new year thoughts. Sarah, what are you thinking about as we are in the season of darkness and approach an eventual season of light? Well, aside from thinking about all the great food I plan to eat over the next few weeks, I have been thinking a little bit about the nonprofit sector and sort of some hopes and wishes, I think, for the year to come. So what do you got? What's top on your list of what you're thinking about? Oh, well, so many things. Well, maybe I have three things and I'll start with one of them. First, I have been really appreciating lately how a functional and functioning board can be an incredible asset to a nonprofit community. And I hope that other nonprofits out there will make a commitment to building a great board and using them well in the year ahead. I've just seen some awesome examples this year of moments when boards have really stepped in and provided that community perspective or that group sort of wisdom or ability to kind of see a problem from all sides and really help an organization either out of a sticky situation or into a really great opportunity. I agree so much. And I think I, I think a lot about how can we help boards to serve with joy and confidence. Mm. And I think if we could have any goal for 2024, it would be that every board member is serving with the joy that comes from knowing that you're actually having an impact and the confidence to really step into that leadership role. Yep. Yep. And I think, you know, it's so interesting to think about joy and confidence because not every decision you get to make as a board is joyful. Sometimes Mm -hmm. your leadership requires you to make hard decisions, things that maybe won't sit well with everyone in your community, but, but are right for your mission. And so finding that sense of confidence to balance the joy of of serving and doing good is so important. And, you know, so much of that comes down to making sure your agendas are um, asking enough of your board and and giving them the time and space to have conversation and hopefully healthy and constructive debate and and discourse, that they have the knowledge uh, that they know enough to ask the good questions in your content area or about your finances and that you are always prioritizing for your board, whether you're the board chair or the staff member, and how to make good use of their energy and time, which which we know as volunteers is precious and limited. Absolutely. So what's on your mind this end of year, beginning of new year, Nancy? You know, it's interesting that you bring up boards because I was thinking about conflict. Yeah, we're seeing so much conflict in the world, in our country, but I really want to talk about organizational conflict because I'm seeing some organizational conflict that I keep wishing we would flip from personal conflict to conflict of ideas that I think our gut reaction is to say, you know, Sarah, if you disagree with me, you're a bad person. And I'd love to move to a place where we see that you and I disagree. And so let's have a great, meaty, 
constructive conversation about our various ideas, because at the end, we're going to have a better solution. Totally. And I think so much of that organizational conflict comes from a place of ironically wanting to avoid conflict, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of like forest suppression. We've we've so long suppressed forest wildfires, right? That then now when they happen, they are huge. And I kind of feel like the same thing has happened with conflict. We had so many, so long of kind of just trying to all agree, just trying to all, you know, mm-hmm. go along. And then uh, something really hard happens and it just explodes, right? So it's like, how do you leave space for conflict in smaller ways? Mm-hmm. So that you get used to seeing it as a conflict of ideas. Absolutely. And I think it starts with framing conflict as being good in the sense that if you and I have different ideas, it's a good thing if we could actually have a conversation and and explore the full sandbox of ideas, that that's yeah. actually a good thing for ourselves, for our organizations. And it it does take practice. So, yeah. I mean, it. I would start with small disagreements, small ideas, and build up that conflict muscle so that we can really shape a a culture around conflict being something that we value as a way to come up with better solutions. So so let's practice it. Let's build a culture around it. And let's not be afraid of conflict. Well, you know, this conversation leads directly, interestingly, you and I did not share our lists ahead of time, uh, into my second kind of concept in my head as I go into the new year, which is to embrace curiosity, which I think gets right to what you were talking about with conflict. One of the personal things I want to work on is is how to let go of of defensiveness and and how can I be truly open and, and really genuinely willing to learn. And I think that requires, aside from a whole bunch of patients, having a curious mindset, like being willing to, on certain topics, accept things that I think I know really as just questions rather than facts. Like how can I, instead of coming into a conversation saying, I know this, or we should do this, how do I ask a question of of the person or people I'm working with to bring out that conversation? And I'm, I'm just really curious about the practice of curiosity this year. And I want to, I want to read more about it and learn more about it. I love how you framed curiosity as kind of the, the corollary or maybe the opposite to conflict that Mm -hmm. one way to deal with conflict is to really ask a lot of questions. And I absolutely agree. I, I think a lot about curiosity around how can we use curiosity about each other to build relationships because so much of nonprofit work is through relationship. And, and, you know, we say this all the time, but I keep being faced with, we think we know somebody or we think we know something. And then a little tidbit of information comes out and you're like, whoa, mind blowing. I had no idea that you you know, had gone to that college or that you had that experience as a child or, you know, you just, you know, that such and such was an issue in your nonprofit just last year. Like, as soon as you start to unpeel the onion, all of a sudden things make a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. And it it absolutely kind of deals with that that conflict that may be underlying the surface for sure. So my second idea that I've been thinking a lot about is stories. So this is, you know, perhaps continuing this continuum of ideas that we have, but 
Nonprofits are communities that work to change the story of our community. Mm-hmm. And nonprofit people have their own stories that they bring to the work. In one of my highlights in 2023 was working with Jill Lapointe of Lachute Seed Research. So Lachute Seed is the language of the Coast Salish people, uh, the area in which I live here in the Seattle area. And so this work with Jill, we've been, I've just been part of hearing so many stories of the Coast Salish people, the Coast Salish experience. And so Jill has me thinking a lot about stories as a way to organize information, as a way to teach people something. And I just think, you know, thinking about experiences as stories where we're the protagonist or we are in the environment or whatever it might be, it just, it's a different way of thinking about our experiences. Oh, for sure. That's super fascinating. And, and I think when people hear stories, they immediately go to, oh, you, you mean I have to get someone to give a testimony or, or something like that. But I think you're thinking of stories slightly differently, right? Mm-hmm. Stories, you know, often they can be fictional or they can be kind of tied to, I mean, I think about the story of why the hemlock, you know, bends at the top. And it's mm-hmm. a native story, an indigenous story about, you know, the natural world. It's a beautiful story. And it it helps us to remember. It helps us to have a connection to the environment. So it these are stories that are extrapolated from our experiences, but that that teach us a lesson. And the other piece about stories that I just have been thinking a lot about is who are the storytellers? Mm-hmm. So who are the people who are our teachers, who are shaping our own stories, who are shaping the journey in which we're walking in, shaping our narrative? And I feel like as soon as we change our thinking from who are the experts, who are the leaders, to who are the storytellers. Mm-hmm. It's just a different way of thinking about it. Well, and it's such an important perspective shift because I think so often the title your job has makes you the person who has to convey who, you know, who is our organization and what do we do, right? Everyone expects an executive director to do that or a board chair to do that. But when you turn the story of your organization or the story of the impact you're having or the story of the mission um, and movement you're trying to create over to people who are experiencing it or who are not the obvious storyteller, then, yeah, you 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 open your um, aperture to seeing your organization, I think, in a really different way. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And one of the little pieces that has me thinking about stories is that when we have like Aesop's fables or something like that, there's a clear lesson and it's usually stated at the end. And Jill was teaching us that often with indigenous stories, the lesson isn't told to you at the end, that you're left as the listener, you are trusted as the listener to be able to derive the lesson that you need to learn out of it. And that just has me thinking and and really trying to embed in my practice when I'm in the middle of an experience asking myself, what is the lesson from that story? And it's not going to be obvious that I need to derive the lesson myself out of it. All right. My last thought uh, is that you can never recognize the hard work and impact of others enough. Ah, yes. Even when you think you are doing this well, you can probably do it more. And one of the things I really learned in 2023 is how important it is to ask people how they like to be appreciated. I've learned that there are folks who I 
uh, interact with who I thought I was appreciating really well, um, but I was appreciating them the way I like to be appreciated. And it turns out they weren't feeling that appreciation in the same way because they value another form of appreciation. And so I think it's just a really interesting kind of slightly back to curiosity and to the story of each person and to avoiding conflict. It's great to think about just having a conversation, you know, how how do I like to be appreciated? What 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 do I value? What do you value? And then okay, I can keep track of that and make sure that I'm doing it in a way that's meaningful to the person I'm trying to appreciate. I love that idea. And it leads me right to my third idea to share today. And that's gratitude that I love the change of year and the time that it gives us to, I love writing holiday cards. I'll just fess up. And so many people say to me, Oh, what do I have to do about holiday cards? I don't want to do it. I'm so busy. I just want to go, you know, step away and be on vacation. And And yet I really love writing holiday cards and it's not because, you know, of Christmas or New Year or whatever, but it's the opportunity at the end of the year to express gratitude and to to reflect myself. I mean, there's all sorts of research that says that gratitude makes ourselves feel better. And I feel I sit down at the dining room table and I write out a bunch of holiday cards and I feel more connected, just full in my heart about all these relationships that we have. And it, you know, nonprofits operate within a love economy. And I know, mm-hmm. you know, we maybe not think about it that way, but we do love for our mission, love for our community, love for our colleagues and friends who we work together with every day. And I just think a lot about gratitude and how I really want to deepen my practice related to gratitude. Well, I hope our some of our listeners will weigh in with the things they're thinking of at the end of this year and the beginning of a new year. I bet I'm curious to learn from our listeners about what's on their mind for the year ahead. Absolutely. Me too. So as we come to this switch of the year, we hope that you all have the opportunity to pause, reflect, make your list of thoughts that you've learned from the stories of last year and that you're bringing in to the story of 2024. You got this. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Radio Show today. Tell your friends about the Nonprofit Radio Show and follow us on your favorite podcast app. Visit nonprofitradioshow.com for tips, tools, and free resources for nonprofits. The show is produced by Nancy Bacon and Sarah Brooks in partnership with the Nonprofit Learning Center, delivering learning and innovation to help nonprofits thrive. Our production team is Steve Fonslet and Mep Schulte of Three Choices Creative Communications. We always love to hear from our listeners. We're inspired by you and other nonprofit leaders doing important work in our communities. Mm-hmm.